Hey y'all, welcome back to Native Soil. We continue to reflect upon this idea, this reality of the poor in our midst. And this episode, I thought I would reflect upon a certain kind of poverty that affects pretty much everybody on our native soil the same. Uh, if you look at statistics from rich to poor and in between, uh, the statistics are pretty similar. Sometimes um, you know, it can vary, but basically this is a poverty of silence. Uh, when we look at our lives, um, you know, we're busy with many different things. I, I kind of Googled many different statistics, but somewhere between seven and 12 hours today, a day, it's estimated that we spend looking at a screen of some kind. So, uh, as you're watching this on YouTube or listening, I'm eating into that, <laughs> contributing to that poverty with you, but seven to 12 hours a day, we're looking at a screen of some sort. We're hearing something. We're watching something. Uh, some some people estimate that for people alive today who live to be 60, that somewhere between 30 and 44 years of their life will have been spent looking at a screen. So like half or more than half of their life will be uh, looking at a screen. So this is having all kinds of fallout. You know, we read about this kind of stuff all the time. But I think it's something we really need to take a look at and reflect upon is this poverty of silence in our life. I remember in college one time I was working in Birmingham at a hospital and I got to be friends with this one guy and somehow we got on this topic of silence and I was like, hey man, you ever just like turn off the radio, turn off the TV, everything, just kind of sit in the silence, just like contemplate your light? your life. And I remember him specifically looking and be like, no, I try to avoid that at all costs. <laughs> I was like, why? Like, why, why would you totally avoid these? It's because I don't like what I think about when, uh, it's, it's when I, in that moment, I was like, what do you mean? He said, you know, usually when I get in a moment that sounds, you know, you just start thinking about your life and there's certain things that you aren't happy with or that, you know, kind of ought to change or certain behavior. And he's like, I just, it, it, it just, it's too much to think about. So I just, I do my best to not have moments like that. And I always appreciate it. It was just like a super honest comment on his part of, yeah, like in the silence, that's, that's a little scary. Like I don't have a lot of experience with it, but then in the silence, there is, um, these things to consider. And I think one of the things that happens when we face a silence is there's really only three things there, and that's you, God, and your thoughts. And that mirror, silence kind of can be this clear mirror where we start kind of seeing ourselves. We see what's going on in our life. We see our own self, kind of the, the warts and all, uh, blessings too. But that can be tough, you know, especially when we're not used to confronting ourselves in that intimate of a way. So, um, there's that kind of spiritual reality. Like there's something about the silence. There's something about being bored. That's important. I think today, especially it, it seems like boredom is like the number one enemy of like modern culture. You know, we want to be able to feel like every second with something entertaining, whether it be a song or you've got like your, your ear pods and you can be watch listening to a song, watching a commercial, reading some kind of article, just this constant simulation. But um, there's something important about life, about being bored. You know, there's a lot of creativity. It comes, you know, when kids don't have anything to do, they're outside. They just got like two sticks. They got to pretend like they're in some kind of battle or come up with some kind of, um, you know, game involving the sticks. You know, when you're just laying on the ground 
Uh, I was on a retreat with some kids recently and went, it was late at night and we just took a walk. We were out in the the wilderness and looking up at the stars. And at some point the, the leader of the retreat, uh, just had everyone just lay on the ground and look at the stars. And you could tell all the teens were just like, what is this experience? Like, this is so amazing. You know, it was like a kind of a new experience for them just to kind of lay down and, you know, look at, look at the world, kind of contemplate it. Um, you know, how often are there those moments where you're just laying out in the, in the yard, looking up at the clouds, you know, I have distinct memories of the kid, just looking at the clouds, you know, uh, and just imagining, trying to figure out what those, what those shapes are, you know? So sometimes moments like that today can be kind of a poverty. There, there's something that are not experienced as much and there is some kind of fallout. The, uh, you know, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists are trying to figure out, okay, how is this stuff going to have fallout in all of our lives? And I thought it was interesting. The American Academy of Pediatrics has set out different recommendations for kids to kind of help them to avoid, um, you know, psychological issues that come from not having enough silence in their life or from being stimulated too much. So I thought it was kind of interesting just to, I'll throw some of those out there and, 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 and then kind of, I think for all of us to think about, do we have a plan when it comes to silence? Do we have a plan when it comes to media use or do we just kind of just kind of go with the flow? Cause if we go with the flow, I think we all experience it just kind of gets ramped up more and more because there's so many, um, you know, media outlets that are targeting more and more time, uh, our time and attention. But this is, this is what they recommend for kids. One, I think it's interesting. They say that kids under the age of 18 months should not be exposed to screens at all. Um, unless maybe if they're doing some kind of video conferencing where they're seeing their parent and hearing their voice so they can kind of get to know who their parent is, especially their parents travel. But they said, other than that, they said the way, especially when you're super young, the way you learn is more tactile, personal, tangible kind of type things. Then from the ages of 18 to 24 months, um, they basically say that maybe, um, one hour a day if some kind of if it's some kind of educational some kind of educational purpose you know where you're learning colors or you're kind of learning numbers and you're with the parent they say that 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 might be okay um then once you get older than that older than basically two years old there uh, the american academy of pediatrics says that you know kids should get at least eight to ten eight to 12 hours of sleep, depending on how old they are. That's a big thing. They should get at least an hour of physical activity, but then they should really have some kind of firm boundaries with their parents. That's kind of agreed upon as far as screen time. Uh, one thing that I remember giving this to, to people in marriage prep, but they've been consistent about this recommendation is for kids to not have TVs in their rooms. And, um, so that they're not just watching screens indiscriminately by themselves. And now they're kind of making the recommendation too, is that kids should be off screens, uh, or really anybody like an hour before you want to go to sleep to kind of allow your brain to kind of soak more into that silent space of the day and get ready for sleep. They recommend having kind of media free zones. So like dinners, uh, whenever you're doing activities together to have like no screens, are um are allowed when you're taking hikes things like that 
And uh, they also encourage you to make sure with babysitters or with other people taking care of the kids to make sure that they kind of are all on board with these kind of boundaries. So those are some pretty specific recommendations, and those are for kids. But I think for all of us, we it's it, it kind of gives us pause and think, what kind of boundaries have we have we kind of taken the time to think about in our own life? If you're married with kids and in, in your spouse's life and your in your children's life, what are the boundaries? What are the agreements that we have with each other to preserve a the the beauty of engagement with each other? But B, you know, that we have some silence in our own life, that time to be alone with ourselves, with God and our thoughts and to be able to sift through those things together. I think that's really interesting. I, I know uh, a big thing doing work with uh, youth, doing work with guys discerning. The number one thing I always am like, OK, we're not going to have our phones during meals if we're on a road trip. I try to do the best to have guys just give me their phone. That's like their ticket into the bus. Why just to save them from themselves in some ways is like, give them a chance to just be with each other, you know, and to not have to necessarily listen to music or a video or whatever to pass the time. But, um, you know, just two hours in a, in a car with, with guys without phones, you know, they'll talk, they'll come up with games, they'll sing a song, they'll come up with something funny. But, um, but those kind of moments you realize are moments that are kind of more impoverished in our in our day-to-day lives. So um, I recently, you, one of the things I help out with is the search retreat. It's a wonderful retreat uh, for teenagers. It's, it's put on for teenagers by teenagers with the supervision of, of an adult team. Um, the, the, the office of youth ministry organizes it's Tex Phelps and Brandon Bender up in Montgomery is a big supporter of it, but it really caught my attention this past retreat um, we always give them a time of silence and it's a good chunk. I mean, it's about an hour and a half and we have them go outside and spend that time in silence. They can't have their phones. They, um, they have to be separated from each other and we give them the Bible and we give them, uh, just the encouragement to spend some time reading scripture, sitting in the silence, reflecting on that scripture and journaling. And the last uh, couple retreats, I've been noticed that at, at the end of the uh, retreat, and particularly, uh, you know, when we do it in um, Baldwin County this year, we did Holy Spirit Hall for the first time where you've got the, you know, Bay of the Holy Spirit, you've got Mobile Skyline, uh, you have the sun setting. It's a very beautiful environment. When we do it up in Montgomery, it's an area that's up at Lake Martin, and you're right there on a lake, and it's a very beautiful setting too. But one of the things I was I was really impressed was at the end of the retreat, everyone had a chance to share like where they encountered God during the retreat. And I would say 80% of the kids said the moment where they felt closest to God, and we had a beautiful time in adoration. Uh, we had a beautiful time with adoration and confession, and kids definitely encountered the Lord there. But the thing that people mentioned first was this time of silence. And they just said it was just such a kind of profound time to be alone with God and to, and to even to hear his voice, but also just to reflect on the beauty of creation. And I remember, uh, particularly talking to a kid at the end of the one down, uh, at Holy spirit hall. And I remember him saying, yeah, father, that, um, that 
time in silence was really awesome. I said, what about it? He goes, I just, I just never seen that before. I was like, what? He's like the sunset. Never seen the sunset. Had grown up in Baldwin County, had never just kind of sat and watched the sunset. And I don't think that that's that rare of an experience for a young person today to have never seen a sunset or to have never laid on their back and looked at the stars um, or have never to gone on a hike without their phone and just kind of listened to the natural world around us. But um, I think it's really worth considering in our lives, like, are we taking time to be silent to kind of remove ourselves from screens? Are we taking time to contemplate our faith? Are we taking time to spend time before the Lord? I think that's one reason why Eucharistic adoration is so kind of important today or so popular today is because it it's like an antidote to like our busyness. It's an antidote to kind of like we're processing so many things, so much data, so much sound, so much noise, so much text, um, and it's having all, all this fault. But then the Lord just invites us to go and sit with him before you know him in the Eucharist where he's totally silent, he's totally still, and just to be with him in that moment. And I think that's that's something the Lord himself has done to help bring more silence, more contemplation into our lives uh, where it really is a great poverty. I think a lot of people, you know, maybe people who are farmers or, or, or live in a more rural, they have more silence built into their lives. You know, I'm thinking, of, you know, somebody plowing their fields with a donkey, you know, like hundred years ago, you know, you're for hours during the day, you kind of are in this contemplative space of being in creation, having no other noises than like the creative world being left to your thoughts. That's not most people's experience today, rich, poor, in between. And so in the modern world, we really have to be very intentional, I think, about how we engage that. So um, the other thing on that retreat I'd mentioned, too, is another person had said, you know, there's some point we were playing volleyball. They have like a sand volleyball pit. And uh, it was just fun. It was just totally zany, everyone yelling and hollering and jumping in the sand and going back and forth. And nobody was good at volleyball, but we were playing anyways. And I remember another kid saying, like, that was so awesome. I was like, what? They're like, just playing volleyball. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good sport. You know, like none of us were that great at it. But you could tell it was just nobody had a phone. Everyone was just in the moment, relaxed, enjoying. And um, these are things I think we really need to think about. Like, why do we have um, so few moments like that? The other aspect, I think, as we talk about silence is to think about Sabbath, Sabbath rest. You know, this is one of the, the first commandments, you know, we honor the Sabbath. And um, do we really have, how are we really celebrating the Sabbath? And are we doing it in a way that is, is as God intended? Um, you know, for a lot of us, honoring the Sabbath might include kind of rushing into Mass and rushing out of Mass on the way to the next thing. But... Um, I think we have a lot to learn, particularly from our Jewish brothers and sisters, on our practice of the Sabbath. And one really interesting book I read uh, is actually by a former seminar, Joe Lieberman. Someone to give me this book of his, uh, probably as a suggestion to me, but like, Father, you need to rest. <laughs> but it's called The Gift of Rest, Rediscovering the Beauty of the Sabbath. And one thing that's really fascinating is just as a, um, as a observant, faithful Jew, he talks about just the beauty of the Sabbath in his own life and the great links that he had to go to as a senator, 
as somebody, you know, with a very busy life to preserve that space, to preserve the space of rest and recreation for him and his family. And it really it gave me, and I, I would definitely recommend the book, just to help think about how are we guarding the Sabbath in our life, or are we guarding it at all? Or is it just kind of another day of the weekend to kind of fit more things in? And um, it was amazing to me the links. You know, the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath starts from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. And during that time, you know, there's no work. There's, there's great limits on where you can travel. You know, they try to prepare all the food for, for the Sabbath before the Sabbath starts. There's beautiful rituals of like lighting candles in the home as the Sabbath begins to kind of welcome the Lord into that space. And really the whole week in kind of the Jewish mindset is preparing for the Sabbath and preparing is basically revolving around the Sabbath. Like you're preparing to experience that, that special time with the Lord and with your family. And then you're preparing to, to carry the blessings of that out of it. And really all of it is kind of preparing us for uh, heaven. It's kind of the eternal Sabbath. And I think it's been interesting, you know, some people here who have, we've interviewed this series, you know, who have worked with the poor, um, even um, they have this mindfulness of their own death, even, even in the soil that um, like Phyllis Beam from Catholic Socialist brought in, she brought the soil of the place where she's going to be buried because she working with the poor kind of brings you into this, this space of, of perspective. It brings you into this space of kind of contemplation of uh, who you are and who God is and uh, kind of where things are tending ultimately. But I think all of us should should think about like how for us as Christians, our Sabbath is Sunday, but how are we uh, preserving that? How are we um, kind of guarding time to be able to rest and be recreated? That word recreation, you know, literally means to be recreated. And there's something about... Um, stopping everything, worshiping God, spending time with our family, um, you know, just doing fun things for the sake of fun things that is restorative. It's restorative. And it, and it kind of helps us to be more human, to be more living out, you know, being created in the image and likeness of God, you know, only God doesn't sleep. I had a great professor in seminary who kind of brought this out, especially in the wisdom literature of the Bible, um, you know, in the Psalms and the Book of Wisdom and Sirach and Proverbs, you know, there's a recurrent theme. You know, only God doesn't sleep. Only God doesn't rest. Only God doesn't have to eat anything. Um, you know, only God doesn't take naps. He, he, he doesn't need to, like, catch his breath. That's part of being created by him. And part of being created, part of being a creature is that we have to rest. We are we are incomplete in and of ourselves. We are insufficient. We are not capable of um, surviving at the physical or spiritual level without nourishment from outside of us. So if you think about like eating, spend a lot of our lives eating. We have to like harvest food, kill animals, take all this time to get nutrients into our body just to keep being alive. And, you know, spiritually, we have these deep, profound longings in life that just can't be satisfied by ourselves. We need to have that nourishment from God and, 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 and through other people uh, as well. You know, God working through that. So 
I just share these reflections uh, both about silence and the Sabbath just to challenge all of you to consider how can these things be not so impoverished in your life, in our life? Because I think that has is going to have great uh, effects for our native soil um, at, in, at every single level. And, um, you know, if I if there's a lot of campaigns I'd love to go on, but one campaign would be just to, like, do away with every extracurricular activity that happens on Sunday. You know, no club sports, no high school sports, no dance recitals, no anything except going to Mass, taking naps, eating awesome food, playing ultimate frisbee, you know, lying on the grass, looking at the clouds, you know, these kinds of things that give us a chance to be recreated and restored. You know, I don't know exactly, uh, you know, how to bring this about or what is the best way for us to practice Sabbath as an archdiocese. But I, I just, I think it's something we need to be challenged by and, um, you know, figure out how we can not be so poor when it comes to Sabbath rest and when it comes to silence in our lives. So with that all being said, let's turn to the Blessed Mother. She who pondered so many things in her heart, she who in the silence of her heart pondered so many things and and that helped her to, to be totally open to God's plan in her life. Um, you know, I think she shows us that other aspect, you know, the silence is as many times when God speaks to us the loudest. And so, you know, we want to be open to the way in which we're all being called to renew our native soil. And if we don't have silence in our life, if we don't have proper Sabbath in our life, it's going to be hard for any of us to figure out where we all fit in God's beautiful plan. He does have a very beautiful plan for all of us on our native soil to bring about renewal to be his instruments for the Holy Spirit to work through us. So let's ask Blessed Mother to show us the art of silence and uh, so so bring about God's, God's plan in our midst. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy own Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. And through her powerful intercession, may we God bless you, bless our native soil. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless y'all. And look forward to seeing you back here on Native Soil.